0: You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. has been a busy couple of weeks for you, boy. Uh, I've been laid up with a little bit of an injury, not horse-related this time, which I guess is a rarity. But I am pretty sure I tore my LCL, but we, we will find out once I uh, get an appointment with Ortho and uh, get that checked out. But it's just me today, no no guess. i um, going to kick it a little bit old school and uh, kind of do a deep dive into a subject that kind of irks me. Um, and it irks a lot of other people too. I had a uh, recently came in contact with a rescue slash sanctuary, and um, they seem legitimate. They seem on the up and up. And anybody who has ever worked at a rescue uh, or worked for a sanctuary or dealt with some, uh, you know that. For every one good one, there's like 10 that are just crummy, and they're just using the name Rescue or the title Rescue just as a front for a a business that sells horses, let's just be honest. So I made a video, and uh, it was about a particular horse, which I make a lot of videos about particular horses, right? Um, Anyway, I had a sanctuary reach out to me, and this sanctuary... um, I'm not sure if this is a prominent sanctuary or not. They have a very good website. Um, they list a lot of credentials, uh, a lot of accreditations, which you know is awesome. You know, all the things that you want to look for uh, when you look at rescues and sanctuaries and things like that. Now, a lot of them were industry type accreditations, and sometimes those can be really worth their weight in however you want to weigh it. With that said, though, I wholeheartedly believe that this sanctuary slash rescue is 100% legitimate and they are doing awesome work. So regardless, I, I make a video and uh, someone from this organization reaches out to me and they go, hey, you know, love your content. Would you be willing uh, to give us a shout out because the only way we get money is... Uh, is through donations. We, we don't take any money in uh, from grants or anything like that. We, we just take in donations to, to, to make this thing run. And I replied back, sure, I'd be happy to help you out. So a few days go by, and I get another message from these people going, hey, when are you going to do it? And... You know, maybe I should have been a little bit more forthcoming with the fact that this was not going to be instant oatmeal. That uh, as soon as I say sure, that it's not going to happen tomorrow. Um, I have other stuff that's slated to come out. I have a schedule that I try to keep with stuff that's that's made ahead of time. Not only that, I, I vet rescues companies sanctuaries, organizations, associations, whenever anybody asks me, hey, would you give me a shout-out, I don't care if it's for product or if it's for a nonprofit. um, I'm crawling all through you. Because here's the thing, I'm not a nameless ad agency at that point, right? I become the spokesperson for your product, your, your association, your organization, your rescue, whatever. Because they see my face and it's coming from my mouth. I'm not the nameless ad agency that gets to hide behind your logo. So I politely said, listen, here's how this works. I do not mind giving a shout out, but give me a little time. Uh, I want to research, you know, your organization a little better. Um, I've reached out to a couple of people. Uh, I'm waiting to hear back from them. Um, You know, don't sweat it. I'm sure you have nothing to worry about uh, and I'll get back to you. This person went absolute apeshit. They lost their mind. That they, they lost their absolute mind. Uh, things like, you know, I, I guess we're not worthy enough for you. Uh, we've been accredited by this person and this person and this person and this group and this organization has, has signed off on us. And, and the whole time I'm just thinking to myself, yeah, but none of those people are me. I, I don't know you. And then asked me to change a photograph uh in the video because they said it was their photograph and i hate to break the news to them but if you want to claim intellectual property uh don't give it to the world without a watermark or make who you give it to uh not list the photographer or credit them because that photograph that i I use can be found on any website um about this particular horse so I again tried to explain the process, right? You know, listen, it this is not personal. We do this to everyone. Why? Because it's the horse industry and we trust no one in the horse industry. You're not special at that point. And again, from what information I have gathered, this organization is 100% on the up and up. Like These people do really amazing work. They're doing nothing wrong. They're doing it 100% the right way for all the right reasons. And then just got nasty. Most of the time when we have that type of conversation uh, with a company or an organization or or whatever, and we go, listen, we we vet the folks that we work with because we don't want to work with anyone that we honestly wouldn't want to have conversation with or share an adult beverage with, you know. Like, we have to have the same ideals, you know what I mean? I, I'm not going to promote something or people that I, I just, you know, won't, would not click with. You know, I also don't want to, you know, be in bed with someone who is in trouble for embezzlement or something like that. So, yeah, we, we vet folks, you know, it's no biggie. You, you have to. You know, I lose credibility if I don't. And so when you bring that up to most folks, most folks are like, oh, okay, yeah, no, fine, listen, we have nothing to hide here. By the way, here's some references, you know. Most people are ecstatic, especially in the uh, rescue and sanctuary business, that we are willing to vet them. uh, Because they are so tired of shady um, rescues and shady sanctuaries that they're happy to know that there are people out there who... Care enough about what they're doing to make sure they're doing the right thing. This person was not one of them. So, needless to say, I will not be shouting them out. And it has nothing to do with how good or bad they are. Again, I wholeheartedly believe that the work that this particular organization is doing is really good work. Um, we just, on a uh, personal level, uh, apparently do not click. Also, uh, apparently saying, hey, we just want to make sure you're on the up and up, um, offended them. So if that offends you, then, man, my entire stream of content is going to offend you. So it's best that we don't work together, okay? Mutual interest there is that uh, there's no mutual interest there. But I say that to kind of kind of segue into what I want to talk about today, and and that is rescues and sanctuaries, uh, in the equine world. And I know most of you are like me, and you got horror stories. To me, that's not a horror story. That's just someone who took offense. And listen, you can be offended all you want, but it's not going to change me. Okay. If you want to get offended by something I say or something I want to do, that's on you, that's not on me. You see what I'm saying here? Regardless, I think everybody has a horror story about dealing with a rescue. And again, I know some absolutely amazing rescues. It's just for everyone there's like a dozen that are seriously hot garbage. And I'll give you an example of of kind of what I'm talking about here. And that is you have rescues that, you know, take in surrendered animals or they go out and they find sick, aging, injured animals. Um, Even if they've got to, you know, pay a little something up front, their intention is to never turn a profit on that horse, right? Their intention is to either keep it uh, until it dies and give it the best life they can or adopt it out for a fee, uh To folks that will give it a little better home, and there's never the idea of profit right It's just listen we we that fee goes back into these other horses and we take care of them. There's not a thing wrong with that where there's a problem is when you just go to auctions and buy horses at a cheap price, bring them back, say you rescued them, and then charge a fee over what you 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 got for them. For sheer profit, not to go back into the rescue, but no, just for profit, for yourself. You're a horse flipper. And I'm to me, horse flipping is, is not a negative thing. Listen, when you can go buy a cheap horse, put some time on that horse, turn around and sell it for a profit, you've done two things. One, you have netted profit for yourself. Two, you have increased that horse's value To the point that that horse may not ever fall through the cracks ever again. It is worth something to more people now. There is nothing wrong with buying cheap horses, tuning them up, and selling them for more than what you paid for them. Because chances are, you're giving that horse a better life, and you netted some profit. But now, if you do that, and then you call yourself a rescue, you're not a rescue. I mean, you can call yourself, you know, last chance barn dominium or something. And that's cool. And just tell people, listen, yeah, we we take in these horses that nobody else wanted. And we tune them up and we try to make good horses uh, to increase their chance of being good productive horses and find them good homes. Not a thing wrong with that. When you just buy a horse at an auction and then say you rescued it from a kill pen... Uh, and then make all kind of sappy social media posts about this horse, raise all kind of money on it, uh, adopt it out for an exorbitant amount so you can go buy a brand new truck, that's nefarious. That has gotten so bad that in some states, you cannot even list an ad saying Killpin Rescue. In some states, you can't even run an ad that has something like ship date for slaughter. Because let's just be honest, those are all pulls at heartstrings too. Those horses nine times out of ten are never going to slaughter, right? Those are leftover auction horses that nobody wanted as they come through. Somebody's going to take some picture of them. They're going to make them look sad as possible, right? And then they're going to put like, I don't know, 900 bucks on them and they gave 300 bucks at the sale leftover for them. And tell you they need nine hundred bucks or twelve hundred bucks. You know, bail. Make their bail. Save this sweet baby. It ships on the twenty ninth of this month. And guess what happens on the twenty ninth of that month? If the horse hasn't sold, there'll be another thing, you know, posted saying that. Oh, you know, he's had a he's had a stay. So so he's gonna have a few more days. This time, it's truly his last chance. I mean, I can fill you in on the slaughter industry and how that works. The first rule of that is is you don't tell anybody what you're doing um, because they go absolute ape shit. Two, you don't advertise the days or days that you load horses up and send them to Mexico, okay? It's a good way of getting your tires slashed. So let me, let me give you two advertisements here, and you tell me which one piques your attention. First one... Leftover sale barn horses. At good prices. You know, uh, decent prospects. Could use some groceries. Most grade. $1,200. Take your pick. Okay, here's another ad. Six-year-old quarter horse. Got Colonel Freckles in there on the paperwork. Ships to slaughter on the 29th of this month. Last chance. Someone please save this sweet baby. Which one of those got your attention? If I had to guess, it would be the second one. So now do you see how this works? I'm not saying this is always the case. What I'm saying is, is nine times out of ten, good chance it is. And it always seems to be the folks that are so diehard against the slaughter industry are like the first in line to go buy a horse like this. Um... Or actually buy one from a legitimate slaughter pen and then not realize that when you buy that horse, that person took that money and bought like four other horses that they're going to ship. You're never going to know about. You know, for those that are legitimate and shipping horses to slaughter and you're buying horses from them, you're, you're helping one and sending five, you know, down the road. You know, you're feeding the industry. And I know there are folks out there that are seething right now because they've fallen for it. They have bought a horse. Their heartstrings got pulled. And they have this, quote, rescue horse. And you know what? If you feel good about your purchase, then be damned what I say, right? In, in, in your mind, if you gave that horse a better life, then does it really matter? In the end of the day, as long as you care about that horse, does it matter? No, not really. I'm just telling you that most of the time, what you're getting and what you're doing is not what you think. You know, we look at the other end of the spectrum and we look at things like Mustang Sanctuaries, which is another haven for nefarious activity. You know, especially with the uh you know, the rise of like the online corral. And I've seen these folks and 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 you know, and they're not all this way. Some of them are actually out there and they will adopt these older horses, um, that they know will never be adopted through the BLM because of their age or you know, some ailment or whatever, and they will give them forever homes. And, you know, to that, kudos, man. You you are really doing the work and I, more power to you. But for everybody who does that, you've got you know somebody out there that's gonna you know bid you know eight ten thousand dollars on the online auction on a mustang because it's a flashy color and it's got a name because somebody took a picture of it you know like two years ago and they gave it a name and they, they these horses they get their own like weird you know internet followings almost like groupies you know so they'll pay all this money and then they'll say. They saved it. They rescued it. It can live in peace now on the sanctuary. Make a donation. Buy this portrait we took of them. We're going to reunite him with his mom. He has no idea who his mom is. He doesn't care. If he wasn't a gelding, he'd try to mount her. My favorite, and they go, Oh, you know, we're going to re- reunite father and son the the whole time father was just trying to kick him out of the herd you know it's, that's how bachelor herds are formed folks if dad really perceived him as a threat to mares he would kick his skull in dad doesn't care that's his kid but it's a really cool story right it gets people's attention especially people that aren't really in the industry, like the people I see biting on this stuff the hardest are people that are not in the horse industry. Like right? most of us that are in the horse industry, every day, boots on the ground type, we work in it, we show in it. You know, we've run across these type of people. We know who they are. We know what they're. We know what the game is, right? I always see these. You know, and it's usually these these middle aged moms. And no offense, ladies, because I know dudes that are just as bad. But I you know the example is there's always like this middle aged mom. She lives in the cul-de-sac. You know, she's got her, you know, two point five kids or whatever it is these days. And she sees this and she always dreamed of having a horse, but it never happened, but she's gonna do something good. She wants to feel good today. So she sends a hundred bucks to this sanctuary for this horse that she's followed on Instagram because somebody, some photographer gave it a name. And the reality is, is, you know, it, it's probably a young horse. It's a flashy horse. It would have been adopted. It would have went to a good home. To somebody who loved it and started it and made it a very productive horse. Made it a true ambassador for what Mustangs can do. But new. New it now goes to a, quote, sanctuary. And I hate to break it to you folks, but if you don't know exactly what Mustangs are, go back, go back and listen to a few episodes ago when uh, I have Sarah Jean Waddell, and um, I've had uh, Aaron O'Neill, folks that actually work with feral horses, and yes, feral horses, um, not wild horses, feral horses, and um, their take, their hot takes, Literally people that work with these things in the field every day. And, and listen to their stories and what they tell you about these horses. Now, they have a love and admiration for these things like no one else. Hell, I love the things. Uh, but I also understand what they are, which are remnants mostly these days of, you know, stock horses and U.S. Army remount horses. Right? The, the idea that you're getting some conquistadors and delusion... Um, that idea needs to go bye-bye because that's not what you're getting. Like you're getting something that is like Morgan Quarter Horse, some type of small draft, and, and maybe some Cleveland Bay or something. And a heavy dose of thoroughbred. Don't don't forget the heavy dose of thoroughbred thanks to U.S. government. If you don't know about that, that's because when the U.S. Army was doing away with the horse cavalry... Um, they had nobody to, you know, take the horse. They tried to adopt them out. At the time, nobody wanted to adopt them. So what they said was they were going to seed and improve Mustang herds by turning out these horses. To me, that is just code for we're going to dump horses on the range because we don't want to take care of them anymore. And that's exactly what they did. They turned a bunch of thoroughbred crosses out on range that were, you know, calve chargers, uh, and they seeded all of these herds. Now, does that make these horses any less valuable? No. Absolutely not. They're iconic. Um, they deserve to be on range um, in, in numbers that are manageable, you know, no different than, you know, uh or Cumberland's or any of our East Coast, you know, horses, you know, they, they deserve to be there. They've earned the right to be there managed, you know, so that they don't die. You know, managed to a point where they don't have a full attrition rate of like 3 and 5. You know, yeah, th- that's, that's no bueno, folks. That's not healthy. But don't worry. A sanctuary is going to adopt one, but not for the $120 that they cost, but for $8,000 because some photographer gave it a name. Savior. Savior of Mustangs right there. Again, and that's just another example of, like, in my opinion, what I consider nefarious. Like, that, that's nefarious, because you are pulling on people's heartstrings on one particular horse. One particular horse, a young horse. Like, if you were a true sanctuary, and you truly cared and wanted to take care of these horses, go adopt the ones that no one is going to adopt. Go adopt the 23-year-old, you know, that's three-legged, lame, and missing an eye. Go adopt that one. But they won't. There are some that will. And for those that will, kudos. I will stand behind you. You drop an email to me. If that's the horses you adopt, then I will shout you from the rooftops. But if those aren't the horses that you're looking for, don't come knocking. You know, I've got a good friend of mine that's in real estate. And uh, he posted a thing on social media the other day. And uh, said that, you know... He knows so many people who get started in real estate, and they go out there and they lease a car that they can't afford, you know. And they're like, man, everyone's going to want to buy a house from me when they see me in this Mercedes. And then he paused, and he goes, you know, I look at the car I park next to every day, and it hasn't been washed in weeks. And there's nothing about it that says, flashy, look at me. And the person that gets in and out of that car every day Owned one of the biggest real estate firms in the country. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of one of those heed warning when somebody is trying to go, look at me, look at me. There uh, used to be someone here locally that claimed to be a rescue, right? And they would go buy auction horses. Um, what they were really known for, though, is to scour things like Craigslist and Marketplace back when you could sell animals on Facebook. And they still cruise some of the animal groups. Uh, I've seen them in there. And they would get anything that was free. Dogs, cats, goats, pigs, sheep, you know, horses, cows, whatever. If it was free, or really, really, really cheap, they go get it. And then they would make a post on their social media. I can't believe what people did to this poor baby. It got dumped. And if it hadn't have been for me, I don't know what would have happened to it. Uh, by the way, the adoption fee is blah, blah, blah. I mean, come on. Really? Really? You you didn't rescue anything. You just took a free animal that somebody was offering or you bought something and now you're just immediately turning around and selling it for profit. Like just 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 you know call yourself an animal flipper. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm so tired of people saying horse flipper at, like in a negative light. Like seriously, you're adding value to horses. You're adding value to their lives. Right? When when you can take a horse tune it up, and flip it for more money. Chances are that horse is not going to fall between the cracks again. Like, it went from not doing so hot and could be headed to Mexico legitly to, damn, somebody really wants this horse now because it's a pretty good horse because Homie is a pretty good trainer. Or may not even put any training on it. He knows how to actually ride an ad that paints the horse in the best light possible where somebody else wants to take it on as a prospect for something and pay for it to have better training, right? But remember, those type of people are bad, but the same kind of people who do the same exact thing, but if they call themselves rescue good, right? Is, is that where we are in the world? Because that's where it seems like we are in the world. So, I am one of those people that I'll be the first to tell you. The thoroughbred industry, in my opinion, probably has, like, the best example of aftercare. Now, is it perfect? Uh, by no means is it perfect. But, it's still a really good example of, you know, going a- ahead, like, leaps and bounds as far as aftercare in an industry, the race industry. So, there are programs for off-the-track thoroughbreds where folks actually get paid at times to take these horses in, right? That You know, you'd be... A certain amount of horses, and you'll have to take them all, right? Some of them might have injuries. Some of them, you know, might be something else wrong with them. And some of them might be perfectly fine. You just There's just a number, a block of horses, and you have to take them all. And you get, you get paid sometimes to take these horses, right? Well, most of the time, these horses will come in. They'll be evaluated, and then they'll all get a price eventually and be sold. Does that sound like a rescue? No, it doesn't. Now... Uh, are these horses getting a second chance at life? Absolutely, they're going to get a second chance at life um, for profit. There is incentive there. There is incentive there on both ends. There is an incentive by the jockey club to make sure that this g- happens um, because it, it makes them look better. Two, there is incentive by the people that are taking these horses because one, they're getting paid to take these horses, and two, they can eventually sell them. Now, does that meet the criteria for a rescue? Me, personally? No. It does not. That still doesn't mean that you're not doing a great thing. You're not doing a good service for the industry and those horses. You're just, in my opinion, you're not a rescue. Now, there are examples, in my opinion, that you can spend money and rescue. I have a couple of them. One, Aaron O'Neill actually just bought a herd of feral horses. Because, unfortunately, in some areas, if feral horses are on your land, and they're on your land for any certain amount of time, technically... By law, you own those animals, right? So this person made her pay to get these animals out of a horrible situation. I mean, they're literally wandering around strip mines. Like, they're feral horses. They've been turned out. And so she bought these horses for literally pennies on the dollar, by the way. But she bought these horses in hopes of giving them a better chance. That's good work. That's that's rescue. That's rescue when most of the time it would not be. But because of why it was done, that's rescue. Because Aaron has no intention of making any profit off of these horses, at all. She got these horses to get them out of where they're at. And I guarantee you, if she knew that they would go to a loving home, she would give them to someone. I'm almost positive, if you asked her nice enough, she would give you one. Or at least give you the price that, that just... You know, the percentage of whatever the total cost is of all the horses, right? So there are ways that, you know, you can you can do rescue work that involves buying something. And again, this is all just my opinion. And my opinion means nil. But this is just how I look at this, right? But there are examples where you can buy something for the sake of rescue. But now Aaron's not out there advertising... Rescue. Like, she's not calling herself a rescue. She's not doing any of this stuff. Me personally, I think she fits the criteria to a T with all the great work she does. She's an awesome advocate for the feral horses in Appalachia. I run an ad for her, uh, which you guys will hear in the middle of the show. Um, I do that for free for her. Uh, because I know her. I know her personally. And I know she's the type of person that I want to be aligned with. You remember that little story at the beginning of the show? Yeah, she is the type of people that I want to associate with when it comes to that type of work, right? She checks the boxes. We we align um, on so many different levels on how we think things should be handled This isn't a fake it till you make it kind of thing. You're you're either all in or you're not, and Erin O'Neill is all in. Now, on a personal level, do you think me and Erin agree on everything? Hell no. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure on a personal level, we, we probably would agree on little, actually. But on a professional level, we're aligned. And she is one of my favorite people. You know who else is some of my favorite people? These sponsors, because without these sponsors, this show would not be on the air. I bet you didn't know we had a merch store. That's right, we actually have merch. If you head on over to the description, the notes of this episode, there will be a link there to the merch store. and You can head on over to the Mediocre Horseman store. From there, we have socks, we have hoodies, we have tanks, we have tees, and there's new designs coming out all the time. And the special this month is the Feral Appalachia shirt. 100% of the proceeds of that shirt are going to help feral horses in Appalachia. And 50% of everything else that's sold in the store are, is also going to go help feral horses in Appalachia through Feral Erin as part of the Appalachia Legacy Initiative. So click the link in the description, head on over there, get something, help out some amazing horses, some amazing people, and uh, help me feed my horses, for crying out loud. I want to take this opportunity to talk about our latest partner here on Behind the Horses Eyes, and that is Herd of Zebras. You can find them over at www.herd-of-zebras.com. And Herd of Zebras is more than just an equestrian lifestyle brand. It's a global community of just badass people who inspire others with their perseverance, grit, compassion, and authenticity. And what other people might call scars, whether it be physical or emotional, they call stripes. It's the experiences and the hardships that cause us to become stronger, kinder, and braver. Unlock all of that over at Herd of Zebras. I wear their shirts constantly. I was lucky enough for them to send me some swag. Um, I've done some promotional stuff for them. I'm going to tell you, I am sold. The quality of their products is is, is amazing. They are, all their products are printed here in the U.S. You're not going to find better people and people with a better message than Herd of Zebras. If you use the discount code JRyan at checkout over at Herd of Zebras, you're going to get 10% off of your order. All the info for that is going to be in the description of this episode. That's wwwherd the dash zebras.com promo code jryan for 10% off today. One of my most beloved sponsors has got to be Audible. I had an Audible account long before I thought about ever getting into podcasting. And Audible has a awesome gift for all of my listeners. And if you head over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan you're going to get a free audiobook on them and me. All you have to do is sign up for a free trial. And If you decide that Audible's not for you, and within 30 days, you can cancel. No harm, no foul, you spend no money, and you get to keep that free audiobook. Audible has hundreds of thousands of books in their catalog, read by world-renowned narrators. From New York Times bestsellers to the classics, they're all on Audible. So again, head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash jryan and pick up your free audiobook today. The term boots on the ground usually denotes that action is being taken, that something is being done. Unless we're talking about Erin O'Neill and the Appalachian Legacy Initiative. And quite literally, when we say boots on the ground, we mean her boots. As she is on the ground every day, up in the mountains of Appalachia, working with horses that the world has basically forgotten. From mineral supplementation to medical care to rounding up bachelor stallions. It is Erin, her pickup truck, and her dogs doing 99% of the work. So when she accepted a partnership with this show, I was more than elated. And she's not paying me. I just want to help. This is how ingrained this subject is to me. As an ethnic Appalachian and a lover of horses, how could I not want to play some role in what's transpiring in Kentucky and West Virginia. So if you want to be part of the amazing work that Erin's doing, there's going to be a link to the Appalachian Legacy Initiative in the show notes of this episode, and I invite everyone to go click it. Even if you don't donate, just read a little bit of the work that she's doing, and you're going to gain a whole new appreciation for what it means to be a horseman. And I know a lot of people are out there going, you know, why are you this way? Why are you, at the end of the day, why are you this way? Why do you care? If a horse is in a bad situation, does it really matter who's got it uh, as long as it ends up in a better situation? And and that's, that's honestly, that's a a half-truth. Because here here's me. Here's how I look at this, right? If you go out there and you feel really good about adopting a horse, and you give that horse the benefit of the doubt, and you have it in your mind that, you know what? I adopted it, you know, I'm prepared that this might not be a good fit for me or my facility, but here's the thing, I'm going to hang in there, and this guy's got a, a life here for his entire life, right? Or or her, you know, if it's a mare, right? But that's not always the case. See, you get a lot of people out there, they they, they go and they adopt a horse um, to be their next whatever, their next bestie, right? And they throw, this needs to be a good fit for me and a good fit for my facility, they they throw that to the wind. Because not everybody is prepared to deal with a horse that's not going to be a good fit for them or a good fit for their facility. They're just going to go get it anyway, and damn the torpedoes, right? And then, all of a sudden, here comes a problem. They can't do anything with this horse. It tears fences down, it gets into things, it's constantly hurt and it's constantly sick... They, You know, there's not a trainer around that wants to touch it. They've they've tried. It's not working. Their methodology is not working. And then we've got an, a horse now that's on the cusp of falling between the cracks again. You know, there's something we have to remember here. Humans get to make all the decisions in a horse's life. They don't get to make any, right? A horse doesn't get to make any. The only decision a horse gets to, to really make is... Um, when it wants to sleep and when it wants to poop, but if it's those are during the hours um, that you know their their human companion you know needs them, they might put them on hold. And you know and that's another thing about adoption is you chose you chose the horse for better or for worse. You chose it. You chose to take that route of adoption instead of going out there buying a good finished horse for you or a horse that you know you can. Uh, you can learn on a good safe horse. You can learn on you. You chose the adoption route, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, you know, if you're gonna adopt something older and make it a pasture ornament or whatever, and you got the property for that, man, do it. You're, you're doing good work. Do that. I am 100% all for it. Go do it today. If your intention is to go adopt something and it's from somewhere who, you know, will straight up tell you, listen, we do not evaluate horses for riding at all, we just list, you know, the history we have on the horse and take it at face value, uh, or it could just be hearsay for all we know, uh, granted, here's the horse, here is the fee for adopting it, um, yeah, good luck, right? And most of those places like that, though, will have a return policy, like, you know, if you bring the horse home and it's absolutely losing its mind at your place, you, you can take it back, that, in fact, most places like that would wholeheartedly rather you bring the horse back. But just keep in the back of your mind, though, that most of the time, there's a reason that horse was in that situation in the first place. Now, a lot of the times, the reason that horse, though, is in that reason for the first place is because he was let down by people, right? He was completely let down by people. That's usually 99.999% of the scenario. He was let down by people. The thing is, is that horses that were let down by people sometimes can come back and sometimes can't. But, if you're working with a rescue, and this rescue is like, you know, no backsies, you know, once, once you take, uh, you know, Colonel farts home, he's yours, and no bringing him back, that should be a red flag. So, I hope that little conversation helped some folks. Uh, if it didn't, and I made you mad, then so be it. Good. Glad I made you mad. Um, might want to do some self-reflecting. Um, you might be taking life way too serious, um... Also, too, you might want to look at some definitions of things. Just, just saying. So let's little uh, let's take a little detour here. Talk a little bit about what's going on with me. Um, no, not the fact that I'm hurt. I, I get so many people ask me, "How's the leg?" And I'm like, "Sucks. It it sucks." And I don't even have a cool horse story, right? Like, you know, it'd be awesome if I was like, "Yeah, you know, I was on a, I was on a green colt, you know, and I got launched thirty feet." And, uh, got right back on, though, my leg was dangling. No, 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 I was unloading and washing machine. So, there's that. But I get to get up early, uh, tomorrow morning, and, uh, I'm going to get a new horse. Um, uh, so, for those who don't know, a few months back, I got, um invited to a fundraiser for the carolina marsh tacky association i met some wonderful people there that is a horse that i've always kind of admired i've always loved and so i go there and then i was like you know what i'm gonna join them right because i I just feel like you know maybe i could bring something to the table right like i I could help um in in whatever capacity that is i I could help right so I join, and then, you know, a good buddy of mine, Jade, who's been on the show before, is also a member, uh, my friend Miranda, is uh, uh, you know, is a member, in fact, she sits on the board, uh, the Carolina Marsh Tacky Association, so they've all been out there trying to get me a tacky, and I'm like, I don't need any more horses, guys, I'm good, I, I you know, I finally got down to where, like, I, I don't scream at the feed store anymore, you know, I don't feel bad, I, I, I'm not depressed, like, I, we're good. Like, I'm at a point now, like, I'm good with what I got. And then I get a phone call. Actually, a message. Not really a phone call. I get a message. Hey, by the way, there were three Mars Tacky surrendered. And I'm like, oh. Well, that's cool. Okay. Um, do you want one? I'm like, crap. So, fast forward a couple of weeks, and here I am on my way in the morning to go pick up a, uh, a three-year-old. Intact, and um, before he can come on my property, though, he's he's got to have he's got to have brain surgery done. Them things have got to come off. Um, also, too that that it's a deal with since they were, you know, taken in by the county. I, I, he I think he has to be fixed regardless. So they're paying for all of that, and really the only thing I've got in this is fuel and time going to get him right. Uh, that's it, and I'll have a. Carolina Marsh Tacky. So again, he's three years old, and then I'm hoping if everything goes good, he can start training under saddle uh, in July. I, I've got a trainer that I really want to use for that. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to be doing a lot of desensitizing groundwork. Uh, from my understanding, um, I think he he does all the basics already. You know he's he's not a, he's not a dummy. Um, but so yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna go from there and uh, we're going to see what happens so you guys stay tuned on uh on this adventure but in all seriousness no I'm, I'm pretty excited about it um the the family has already gave him already gave him a name uh so i've got we got to find some identifying markings on him so we can send to the uh, Secretary of the carolina Tag association so she can go through the registry and try to find him because his papers are now who knows where And, uh, hopefully if we can find him, he can be registered back with the, uh, Livestock Conservancy. Uh, since they are an endangered breed, that is where they are registered. Uh, and then he will have, you know, whatever name he had before. If not, then he's gonna be known as Dr. Buzzard. Um, and if you, I know, some of you are going, what? Hear me out. So, Dr. Buzzard uh was a gullah witch doctor. And if you know anything about the K- Carolina Mars tacky, they are from the low country, the land of the gullah, right? Um so anyway, regardless, he's gonna be called Buzz, uh around the barn. So there's that. I got that I've got that going on for me right now. So I'm about to hook up to a trailer with uh, you don't know, uh, two slick tires out of four and drive uh two hours and twenty minutes. <laughs> to go get a horse and take it straight to the vet uh, by 3.30 tomorrow Um, so so homie can be a eunuch but seriously I was completely happy with you know my potato mare and my daughter's pony and Leroy the donkey like I was just we were one happy little family and then you know this happened so oh man Regardless, I you know I'm excited. Uh, the kids are excited. He's gotta he's gotta be in quarantine for a while, but you know it, it is what it is, right? I'm not gonna turn down the opportunity to own a Marsh Tacky, especially here in South Carolina, uh, because they are our state horse. They are endangered, and uh, it makes the uh, it makes the experience that much cooler, right? So I hope y'all enjoyed this episode of behind the horse's eyes. A um, little different than what we normally do around here, but I expect some more of this you know down the road. I'm, I'm you know kind of experimenting. Uh, if you like this type of episode, uh, shoot an email. Uh, our email link is in the uh, description of this episode. It's horseseyespodcast eyes podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we're still rocking a gmail here. We need to get a domain at some point, but haven't done that yet. so maybe I'll get around to it, right? Uh, don't forget, I have a Patreon. It's J Ryan Chastain on Patreon. I don't do a whole lot there because I don't have many patrons. Um, but I promise you, if I got more patrons, I would do a heck of a lot more on Patreon. Um, right now, over there, most folks are—they're just getting the uh, the video version of these shows um, and messages from me. Um, outside of that, I, you know, I've been wanting to start a Discord, too. Everybody says, oh, you got to start a Discord. And I just recently figured out what a Discord was. So, you know, I'm starting to show my age. I, re- I really think I am. At 40, when I have to ask the, you know, the youngsters, you know, what's a Discord, right? So, yeah, I might need to make a Discord. We do have a Facebook group, though. It is the Roundtable of Mediocre Horsemen. Um, it's semi-hopping. Um, but some great folks over there. I recommend joining it. Um, it's a lot of fun. Don't forget merch. Uh, Sarah Tilly Hat Company is the official hat of Behind the Horse's Eyes. And me, Mr. J. Ryan Chastain. Um, yeah, to Zebras, awesome company. Use code J. Ryan over there. So, yeah. I believe that is going to do it. So, I will catch you.